0: Hey friends and fam, it's John it's time for the JmartCast for Monday, November 14th. What's going on? How are ya? I hope you've had a great week. I'm recording this on Saturday because tomorrow, Sunday night, I will be too busy to record. But my week's been pretty decent. I've mostly gotten over my illness. Still a tiny bit nasally, but just fine overall. Been able to get back to my squatting and enjoying that i don't think i mentioned that on the podcast yet actually but for the month of november since i enjoyed doing the physical challenge for october i decided i'd continue it further into november but not do the same one no more no longer doing handstands although i still do them but it's not part of my challenge just i've been continuing to do them but now part of the challenge for november is to do 20 rep sets of safety bar squats and so I started off with 135 pounds for 20 reps and I've worked up to 165 uh, earlier today. Today I did two sets. My goal is to just do one set per day, but some of the days I've been skipping partly because I was sick earlier, partly because I've fallen asleep and forgotten to do it at any end of the day. So yesterday that's what happened in the evening. I was watching some TV and fell asleep got woken up by my wife after she got home from work (laughs) I was still sleeping on the couch so I was like there's no way I'm doing this set so instead I went to sleep got some good rest and got up in the morning and did my set in the morning and then actually did a second one of the day earlier today or not earlier today earlier just before I uh, started recording so yeah those are going well at first my legs got really sore but now it's not that bad at all so hoping to be able to increase that and get close to 200 pounds for 20 reps. I'm not sure how close I'll get, but then the goal is at the end of the month to test out my one rep max with the safety bar squat, the, the safety bar for squats and see if I can, how close I can get to my all time one rep max, which I did with just a regular barbell. Uh, and that was 295. So I'm hoping I can get at least 295, if not more, but we'll see. It's been a long time since I've been doing heavy squats, probably nearly two years, not quite two years, but nearly there. So we'll see. It's an interesting experiment. I think the reason why I did it was because um, just I've had a lot of people recently be telling me that the only way to get strong is to do uh, low reps And that doing high rep sets is, is a waste of time. And it's just like, that's not true. You read one book that told you that, and now you think, you know, everything, there's like many ways to get strong. And the answer is always, it depends, depends on many factors, including like, you know, things like how long you've been training. When's the last time you did do high rep sets? Maybe you never done them. And so it's time to put that into your, uh, training and accumulate some volume to push past whatever plateaus you might be at. So anyway, I just did it to prove to myself that, you know, it's not, there's not not one way to skin a cat. There's not one way to get strong and we'll see. We'll see how the experiment turns out. Be more than happy to say I was wrong if uh, I can't lift at least 295 at the end of this month, but we'll see. I'm sure I will be able to. So what else? Um, I've uh, had a good week in terms of seeing some old friends this week, which has been nice. Uh, Both on the same day, actually, today, I got to have a friend visiting from another province come and hang out in the morning for a little bit. Then in the afternoon, I went and visited another buddy who has a newborn who's just almost a month old. So it was nice to go visit them and see their uh, month-old son, get to hold him, get to see what kind of a little bundle of joy he is. Super nice visit. Actually, speaking of friends, um I had a, I guess he's a friend, I'm going to call him a friend, a friend who I reached out to recently because I've just been seeing some stuff on the news about what's going on in Brazil, and so I, I guess they had a recent vote, and the previous um, leader, I think his name is something like Bolsonaro or something. He was—he's a very conservative, right-wing person who, I guess, half the country did not like, and they really hated him. Wanted to vote him out, and they were successfully able to vote out, vote him out for somebody else. I think by the name of Lula. Don't quote me on that, but the perception I've gotten is that this new person is very much a. A leftist communist type of person, um, you know, um, someone who's kind of in the light of, I guess you could say, maybe Justin Trudeau, you know, not someone that I personally would vote for, as you might have been able to tell given the last year or so of me complaining about him. <laughs> but anyway, so there's this vote, and the new liberal super leftist guy won, and some people are. Per, uh, reporting it as a real terrible outcome for the country. So I met this guy, his name is Guillermo Guillerme. I met him actually in Chile. I was there in 2019 with my wife and some friends and we climbed this volcano. Villarica was the name of the volcano, I believe in Pucon. And me and this guy climbed it together. I met him for the climb and he seemed like a super nice dude. It was actually just me and him and our guide climbing and the two of us are fairly athletic dudes and we were able to keep up with our guide and got up to the top of the volcano with a decent pace. So we developed mad respect for each other <laughs> based off of that experience together and we kept in touch ever since. So I just, not even that much, but you know, every now and then we just message each other and so since I'd gotten some news about Brazil, you know, you can't ever really trust the news that you read. So I just sent him a quick message to see how he was doing and if he could give me some insight into what's going on. And so his response was to say that his point of view is that the new person is, that got voted in is uh, an improvement and they're not as leftist as is being reported. They're more of a center left politician politician so who knows maybe that's the truth but anyways it was just super nice to get in touch with him and then uh we did catch up a little bit and he invited me out to go to brazil anytime he's like you have an open invitation whenever your kids are old enough uh you're you know welcome to come do some surfing in brazil so so fun being able to like travel and meet these kinds of people who are just like these free spirited, welcoming, open hearted people. Uh, one of the best things about traveling is just being able to meet the, these kinds of people and have them as contacts. It's great. But anyways, what else did I do this week? Oh yeah, I watched uh, a stand up comedy special by one of my favorite comedians, Ari, Sh- Ari Shafir. His new stand-up comedy special available for free on YouTube is called Jew, Ari Shafir Jew. If you just Google that, A-R-I Shafir, S-H-A-F-F-I-R, Jew. I'm sure you know how to spell that one. (laughs) It's hilarious. It's got like nearly 3 million views already in like uh, just over a week. And I thought it was awesome. I actually saw him perform parts of this special in 2019. Um, before the pandemic happened and everything, there's like the last comedy show probably that my wife and I went to. And it, it was hilarious when we saw it live. Even better now. Uh, you know, the, the experience is a little different, obviously, seeing it on the screen as opposed to actually being there. But he's definitely tightened it up and made it even funnier. And it was just so great watching the special again and remembering the uh, the jokes from when we saw it the first time and like hearing some of the new jokes as well highly recommend that it's uh, Ari Shafir he's a great comedian he's got a bunch of other stand up specials as well uh, some are available on Netflix some on YouTube but this new one's probably the best one he's had what else all right so world news wise well there's a huge like news in the cryptocurrency world there's this website called ftx.com it basically blew up turns out this was another ponzi in the in the cryptocurrency world ponzi scheme and so yeah just another example of why you should not put any money into altcoins shitcoins scam coins call them whatever you are they're all some sort of ponzi scheme and so the interesting thing about this one was that this um person who um, was the head of it? His name, his nickname's SBF, I forget, Sam Bankman Free Fried or something like that. Um, freed. He uh, was like the largest donor for the uh, Biden political campaign. So that's a little interesting. It's like, whoa, these. Cryptocurrency companies that like are scamming people of money are also using that money to pay politicians. It's a little sketchy, very sketchy. But people who had money on, so this FTX.com, it's like a cryptocurrency exchange and they were selling Bitcoin to people. And, but people were leaving their Bitcoin on the exchange and not moving it into self custody. And of course, that means that they don't actually own it. It's just an IOU. And when the company went down, it, basically went to zero. Um, people with their money on the exchange lost it all. They're never going to get it back. <laughs> so just in another example of why if you want to get into cryptocurrencies, you should only buy Bitcoin. That's the only one. That's not a scam. And if you do buy it, remember that if you buy it from an exchange, it's just an IOU and it doesn't mean you actually own it. You have to take it into self-custody. If you don't know how to do that, it's very simple. You just ask someone who does know it. Luckily for you, if you're listening to this, then you know at least one person who knows it, and that would be me. So get help from your friends and save yourself the trouble of losing money to a third party. It's already happening with just regular banks. You don't have to do it with Bitcoin as well. Now, unfortunately, because of the collapse of this FTX company, there's a lot of Bitcoins that had to be sold, which meant that you know, if bitcoins are being sold, then or a lot, a lot of them are being sold compared to how much is being bought, then the price is of course going to go down, and that's exactly what happened. So let's do a quick little bitcoin update. We're on block height seven hundred sixty-two thousand nine hundred fifty. Um, the price of one bitcoin is trading at sixteen thousand eight hundred fifty-eight U.S. dollars. One U.S. dollar will buy you five thousand nine hundred thirty-one satoshis. Satoshi's are the or sats for short are the smallest subunit of a bitcoin. One bitcoin can be subdivided 100 million times. And if you are interested in buying some bitcoin or sats and you live in Canada, may I recommend the exchange Shakepay. Canadian exchange Shakepay. I have a referral code in the description of this podcast that you can use, which with which you will get $10 reward for the first $100 you use to buy bitcoin. By the way, just a reminder again, if you do choose to buy Bitcoin from an exchange, remember to take it into self-custody or else that Bitcoin does not truly belong to you. And again, I'm always available if you need help on learning how to take things into self-custody. Okay, so a couple of episodes back, I read a little excerpt from this uh, substack called the Fiat Cave. And it was um, called the uh, Fiat Cave, an allegory of monetary deception. And I read the part about the allegory of the cave which is described in Plato's The Republic. Now I'm going to read, and that was his part one of a bunch of, of a four part series. So I'm just going to read an excerpt from part two today. And the part that I'm going to read about is called A Brief History on Corruption of Money. So again, this is from the Fiat Cave Substack. If you want to find it, this is part two of an allegory of monetary deception. The history of money can be summarized as man trying to store, exchange and measure the fruits of his labor most effectively. Before money, barter was used to exchange goods among people. Example, a farmer would give his vegetables in exchange for meat from a rancher. However, as civilization expanded, as civilization expanded and the lack of coincidence between wants emerged, it became impractical to barter. The person who raised eggs wanted clothes, but the person making clothes didn't want eggs. A barter system had other disadvantages as a store of value, as many of these goods were perishable. People could only store vegetables for so many days. Cows could be stolen or die of disease. Clothes could tarnish. Thus, money emerged as an intermediary good to move value across space and time, allowing individuals to trade without desiring each other's goods. It also allowed people to preserve their money and accumulate and build wealth over time. Many goods have been used as money throughout history, including, but not limited to, cattle, salt, seashells, rye stones, glass beads, and of course, gold and silver. It's important to note that money was chosen by the free market rather than being decreed by a government. The market selection of money continued to narrow in on more scarce goods to better store value, And preserve purchasing power over time. Through a free market selection process, humans settled on precious metals as the most desirable form of money, which became widely accepted and used in many civilizations due to best embodying the six critical properties of money scarcity, divisibility, durability, portability, verifiability, and fungibility. Scarcity, meaning hard to produce and obtain, divisibility, Can be easily divided into smaller units or grouped into larger units. Durability, not perishable or easily destroyed. Portability, portability, easy to transport. Verifiability, easy to verify that it is real. Fungibility, all the same and interchangeable. Of the traits listed above, the most important is scarcity. Money must be scarce to store value over time, which allows us to amass wealth and plan long-term. It is beneficial not only for ourselves and our families, but for civilization as a whole. If money is not scarce and the supply can be easily increased, someone will always find a way to increase the supply to his benefit, as we will explore more later. Our ancestors understood the importance of scarcity well, hence their selection of precious metals as money. Precious metals were used for thousands of years and worked well. Gold was the hardest form of money, hard meaning most difficult to inflate the supply. Historically, gold supply has increased roughly 2% a year as significant time and capital are required to identify, extract, and refine it. The 2% annual inflation rate was roughly in line with the economic growth throughout history, and thus prices were stable. Interesting, right? Prices were stable. Today, we all know that prices have increased materially in the past two years due to the increase in the money supply by governments and central banks. In the U.S., the Federal Reserve and U.S. government increased the money supply by $6.4 trillion, a 42% increase between between March of 2020 and the end of 2021. No wonder everything is more expensive now. Going back to history, eventually precious metals were forged into coins. The first coin was minted in Lydia, modern-day Turkey, in 700 B.C., Coinage was an upgrade in monetary technology as each coin was equal to the next, removing the need for weighing and testing the metals for authenticity. At that point, fungibility, the quality of being interchangeable, was established. Moving forward to the Roman Empire, coinage became the standard. One of those coins in circulation was the denarius, a silver coin used for day-to-day transactions. During the empire's existence, emperors would mint coins with their faces on them, the official mint, which all people transacting in that currency knew was legitimate. However, things took a dangerous turn as the state established a monopoly on money, i.e. only the government could mint coins. Emperors debasing their currencies was a common practice in the Roman Empire to enrich themselves and pay for expenditures without explicitly raising taxes. Debasement here is defined as the action or process of reducing the quality or value of something, which they did by mixing precious metals with lower-value base metals, such as copper or nickel, to create the same coin but with lower gold or silver content. Over 200 years, the denarius's silver content went from over 90% to less than 5%. Through this process of debasement, more coins with less precious metal content were issued, which increased prices in the empire. Thus, an inflating money supply is a hidden form of theft from those holding the currency, those in power. More money is printed or minted to benefit a small group devaluing the savings of others. Sound familiar? Historians often cite the debasement of currency to be a significant contributor to the collapse of the Roman Empire. The increasing prices due to debasement or inflation interfered with economic signals, making it more challenging to coordinate economic activity. The ongoing manipulation of money eventually led to societal collapse, as many people saw their savings destroyed and took to the streets. All right, that's a bit of a long excerpt here, but I thought it was all good, so I thought I'd just read it all in one go without stopping. Um... Let's see, what can I add to what I just read? Yeah, I think we're kind of seeing quite a parallel between what happened in the Roman Empire and what's happening now in the world. Of course, people always like to compare uh, the American Empire with the Roman Empire, and there are many similarities, this being one of them. Um, Yeah, at some point, things are going to break, right? Like, we use money as a way to calculate what things are worth But it's hard to measure what things are worth when the measuring stick is constantly changing. Like imagine you were doing some, um, I don't know, uh, renovations in your basement, let's say. And you're trying to, I don't know, cut some drywall to put up a new wall. But the measuring tape you're using is constantly changing and you can't get a proper read on what the length you need to cut your drywall to like, you, you you wouldn't be able to build anything, right? It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> I think the same is true here. Like we use money as a way of calculating what the fruits of our labor are worth. But if that's changing all the time, all the time, then what is anything worth? Who knows? We don't know. Alright, just a short one this week. Thank you everyone for listening. As always, appreciate you all and appreciate all the people who have rated the podcast and who've shared episodes with friends and family. And don't forget, stay active, be grateful. Jmart out.